welcome to the Writer Dojo with your host, Steve Diamond. What's up? And Larry Korea. I can do this all day. Today's episode, Supporter Spectacular, Round 7. Welcome everybody back to the Writer Dojo. Glad to have you back with me and Larry here. So today, Larry, it's been a bit since we've gone through a bunch of the the, the questions that have been asked of us. So we're going to go through these. Some of them, uh, as I was reading through some of these questions, some of them were, our answers are going to be fairly like, uh, or, <laughs> or, uh, we're only human. Yeah. Or, or, you know what? I've not done that before. We'll get, we'll, we'll ask someone else. Well, well, real fast for what we're doing here. If you guys are new to the show, if you want to support the podcast and help us pay for the, the bills for this stuff and make it so that Jack and Steve can hopefully someday quit their day jobs, uh, so you can become a supporter of the of the program for you know ninety nine cents a month or five bucks a month or ten bucks a month or whatever you want to do. If we provide you quality entertainment, you can just go to the uh, the app. It's it's linked on my blog. And if you guys want to sign up to support the program, that's great. And those of you that are program supporters, if you ever have any questions for us, uh, you just send them in and we will get to them. We will try to answer all the questions that come in. And also, there are some perks like special deals on merch and like we open up the store early for you guys and that kind of thing. So if you'd like to become a supporter of the program, that'd be great. And we really, truly appreciate it. Well, for all the supporters out there, one of the things that I... I need to get on. I need to get out there to send you all that I promised to you a few episodes ago. It's uh, it's the summary of all of the um, the Lazarus and Tomb stories that Larry and I wrote. Oh together. yeah, like like from, from so you guys can see this is from the dawn of when we were newbie writers. I mean, I mean it's literally the first one of the first short stories I ever completed. Ah, uh, it's one of the first stories I ever sold. Like, yeah. like short stories. Yeah. And because at that point I'd only written uh, Couple, like, like self-published Monster Hunter and I think I was doing like number two. <laughs> yeah, I think. No, you, and then I was like working on Hard Magic because I yeah. had an excerpt from the Bull King. Yeah. That's right. So uh, so those are some of the perks. In the past, you know, we've sent out some transcriptions of a couple of our episodes. Um, I wrote a silly short story for y'all and, uh, and I'm going to be writing some more for y'all. So look, there, there's a lot of ways in which being a supporter is going to help. And we're just going to add more to that once we figure out technology because we don't do that. Um, so let's go ahead and get started with a couple of these questions, Larry. So one of our supporters, Tom, he's talking about, uh, this is what he says. He says, my output sucks. He's like, I'm a professional crastinator when it comes to uh, button chair hands-on keyboard. He says he can type really fast, but gets lots of errors. Cause he's looking at the keyboard instead of watching the screen. I don't know. For me, that's like, I'm, I, I'm just writing. Um, and I don't really care about all that, but he says to maximize my time, I'm trying the speech to text style of writing, but the results suck for him. He says my typing brain is so much better at laying smooth stories, actions, and dialogue out. But my talking brain reads like flat wooden crap with no flow or pizzazz. I have no idea why. So, okay. so before I continue, I want us to, to just briefly discuss that part. Because I think those are two wildly different approaches. Yeah. Now, talk to text versus writing. There are some writers we know that do the, the they, they talk and text program like they, uh, David Weber uses Dragon. Yeah. And Kevin Anderson. I don't know what Kevin Anderson Well, uses. Kevin Anderson actually has he a dictates. typist. He, yeah, he, dictates he dictates into dictates a tape types. recorder yeah. uh, while he's out hiking and climbing mountains, which is why Kevin J. Anderson will outlive us all. 
Yes. I bet I I have I I'm going right now. I'm currently by the time this episode's air I'm getting yelled at by my doctor for my blood pressure. Yeah, but I've lost <laughs> like 22 pounds in the last month, but uh my blood pressure sucks. But Kevin J Anderson will love us all cuz he hikes he narrates his stories into a tape recorder. Then he gives a tape to, or I'm sure it's digital now, but he gives it to a- It's a reel-to-reel tape player, I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, Kevin's old school. And then he gives it to a <laughs> typist who then types it up for him. Um, and whereas David Weber does uh, Dragon because he, he actually uh, fell and broke his arm or broke his wrist. And David couldn't type for yeah. quite a long time. And so he had no choice- but to work around the disability and learn how to use it. And my understanding with David is it actually took him quite a while to train it. Um, I guess because the, the, I've never used one. My understanding is the text-to-speech programs have like a learning curve yeah, and, where you've got to like basically set it to understand certain things. Yeah. Um, I've, never, I've never tried narration. I haven't either. Now, one of the things that I hear about it often, though, is that – we're able to talk much, much faster than we can write. And so I've known, I, I, I know quite a few people that say that once they kind of got the knack of it. So, so when I'm like really, really in the flow of things, um, I can get 1500 words in an hour typed yeah. when I'm like in the flow on average, it's more like 750 an hour when I'm just trying to like muddle through my crap. But I've heard people when they talk, in an hour, man, if you're just like jabbering and jabbering and going and going for an hour, you can, man, you can put down words on paper. Yeah. You can get a lot of words on paper. My just question is how, how good it would be is if, if your brain is wired that way to, to deliver it or not. I, and I think, I think to your earlier point, Kevin's kind of wired his brain that way. And yeah. So he's he, been doing it for a yeah. long time too. Mm-hmm. Like, like he's the only person I know that writes that particular way, but like he's also the only one that's going to have good cardio. That's true. Um, but Probably has the best cardio of most authors. Yeah. The rest of us are going to die fat and old. That's right. Well, I fat like and it. young. Well, uh, <laughs> I was going to say, I, uh, I'll enjoy my bacon and donuts. No, but Kevin, Kevin, um, he, he has a process that works for him and he has written, uh, uh, he's written more books than all of us combined. Well, like 150 books. At least. It's his output, guys, is astronomical. Um, even like like well accomplished writers, like who have a long like thirty year career, by the end they've got like thirty to fifty books. You know, sixty books maybe. I, I can't think of a, I can't think of a traditionally published author that has the output that he does. Yeah, I mean, there's some indie guys that do the book of the month club thing. Yeah, but they're usually really short and they're churned yeah. out. Yeah. Uh, whereas Kevin's, most of his are normal sized novels. And like I said, I think he's up to 150 or some Good. absurd number. Um, so his method does work for him really well. But for the rest of us, I honestly, this is not something I've ever tried. Mm. So I've got no firsthand knowledge. You on know that what? One. one of these days we'll get David on and we'll have him talk to us about it and, and talk about some of the, it'll be like a three hour episode, but we'll talk to him about what the, <laughs> like some of the, the intricacies of it. Cause, cause David's awesome. Um, now, one of the things that Tom says at the very end of this, which I, I think I like, um, he says that um, the trick that he's that's helped him to improve his writing is that by using that text-to-speech program, that same program, he can have it read back his own stuff to him, and he can kind of get a good flavor of uh, if something is sounding awkward when it's said out loud. 
Okay. And this goes back to what you and I were talking about, how a lot of times we end up reading our own stuff out loud. Yeah, especially dialogue. I read a lot of my dialogue out loud. But having something read it to me might actually be less tiresome. Well, listening to my audiobooks uh, narrated by others has actually really helped me as a writer. Yeah. Well, and I can actually actually enjoy my own writing a little bit if the narrator's good. Mm Mm-hmm. Like I was doing this with Servants of War. Well, because your original residue narrator, you had oh, it was trash. Yeah, it was awful. But and, and here's the thing, I don't want to I don't want to disparage that narrator because I I think in general he's actually a good narrator. I just don't think he was the right fit for my book. Yeah, that and happens. and that happens. Um, although I don't know, maybe maybe I'll end up narrating that myself. I keep coming back to that. All right, um, Dan says uh, he was listening to one of our earlier podcasts about mentioning like CPAs that we'd recommend for writers. Uh-huh. And he says he's based in Utah. Right on, dude. Oh, cool. Utah, Utah fist bump. He says, could I get a recommendation from y'all? The one that we always recommend is Carver, Florick, and James. Yeah, Leighton, Utah. They're in Leighton, Utah. They uh, they handle quite a few authors now. Probably probably because we keep recommending everyone to Oh, uh, yeah. We keep steering all the authors we know over there. But yeah. Um, I, I, now, I've, both Larry and I, Aside from the authory stuff, we've worked with them in terms of audits for like actual corporations. Well, that's how I met them is back when I was a finance manager at a defense contractor. They were our outside third-party CPA firm that came in and audited us. Yeah, and, and that's how I got to know them. But I, yeah. I like them; they're very they're they're good. Yeah, they're really good. I like them a lot. Good people over there. Yeah, it's Carver, Florick, and James. Yeah, they're up in uh, Layton, just south of Hill Air Force Base. Um. But basically, I think if you if you if you live farther south in Utah or Cache Valley or St. George or something, I mean, I'm sure there's a local CPA that can help you out. Basically, yeah. any CPA that does personal taxes, because writing is not that complicated. Just don't get too greedy on what you want to try to do, um, deduct as business expenses. We have an old accounting saying: uh, pigs get fat, hogs, hogs get slaughtered. Yeah. Now, the one thing I will say. You can call up a lot of CPAs and you can ask them like, hey, do you have clients that handle like author type royalties or royalty situations, advances and royalties and things like that? Uh, If they say yes, you're probably in good hands. Yeah. Um, If they say no, I I might recommend calling around. Yeah. Find somebody who understands the concept because writers, we get paid weird. Oh, yeah. Yeah, especially if you're traditionally published, there's a lot of big chunks and mm-hmm. then droughts. Generally twice a year. Yeah, or four times a year, or and then advances are weird. Because they come whenever. Yeah. So, so. yeah, it's weird. Uh, all right. Okay, Julie. Um, she says, question about story, beginning advice, in parentheses, sorry, not bad Twitter advice. Yeah, we're disappointed too. We we were we were actually Larry and I were actually talking uh, before the episode that we 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 haven't done bad Twitter advice in a bit, but um, but that would involve us having to go look for bad Twitter advice. I know. And I just I just can't right now. Haven't you heard? They're all gonna they're all gonna leave. They're all gonna they're all gonna leave because Elon Musk. Just like they're all gonna move to Canada after the last election. <laughs> Please, can we have that happen? Okay, so Julie's asking about um, it's it's stuff for her and stuff for her husband, um, uh, Dave, David. So they're talking about they they're asking some questions about um, Kevin Anderson, who we were just talking about. Oh, cool. Uh, his book Slush Pile Memories: How to Not Get Rejected. Kevin Kevin actually has quite a few books talking about writerly advice stuff, and they're they're pretty solid. Um, I mean, 
chances are if something's to be experienced, Kevin's experienced it because he's written 7,000 books. Um, and so there's, uh, he said he includes some advice from his student editors. Now, Kevin, what Kevin does is he, he teaches a master's uh, class or a master's program in terms of writing and editing and stuff like that. Um, it's actually a really great class. If you can afford it, um, it's worth looking up. Um, I've actually guest taught one of his classes before. It's really cool. Anyway, he says, there's a couple opinions and, and she kind of wants to get our gut check on some of these and how we feel about them. Okay. First one is, do not open with a character who has amnesia. It is a surefire way to make almost any slush reader stop reading. Huh. Now, I think that in general, that's probably true. Um, but then again, I'm a big fan of the Born Identity. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to, that's one that, <clears throat> that's a really oddly specific one. I, I think, I think what it is, is people, a lot of uh, slush readers, when they're reading, when they're going through a stack of 7,000 potential submissions. Yeah, they're looking for any reason to disqualify it, you. They are. Uh, in fact, I saw this on the dojo the other day. Someone said something to the effect of, um, is it true that slush readers and stuff will reject or reject your story based on the first page. And when I looked at, when I, when I saw that, I, I need, I immediately said, well, yeah, of course they do. Because again, they're looking for any reason to reject. And once upon a time, I, I did do some reading for an agent, uh, a rather popular agent. And I was looking through the stuff and he sent me a list, uh, or he, he sent me, I think it was 500 query letters to, to either 200 or 500. Wow. And he was like, Hey, go through these tonight. Because <laughs> he wanted to get my gut reaction. And you know what's interesting is naturally as you start flipping through them, you're like, no, yes, no, 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 no. Like you just start rejecting because you're like, no, nah, I've seen this, I've seen this, I've seen this. And I wonder if that's what that quote is talking about. Because like anything, I mean, uh, I mean, I, I, have pretty, I have pretty good faith in you, Larry, and I have pretty good faith in myself. Oh, I bet I could pull that I off. I bet we could pull something off. Yeah, no problem. Okay, next. Avoid the following beginnings. Just waking up answering the phone or flashing back. Again, I, I think this comes down to how you're presenting it. So of the black sword opens with somebody waking up. I, <laughs> I have people getting woken up a lot because of, yeah. a, of a sound, something jerking them out because, because of the shock in it that it generates and the confusion that it generates for the, for the character. Yeah. I was going to say, so my second most popular series, that's how that opens. <laughs> well, answering a phone. Gosh, I'm a horror author, dude. Drink. I can think of so many ways in which the ringing of a phone to start a scene can cause dread. Yeah, yeah, that's and, true. And as, a, and as a kid growing up in a cop family, there is a serious connotation, and there's a serious fear, especially, uh, and, and if you're oh, a yeah. military family too, oh, yeah. a phone call or a knock on the door, yeah, knock they on imply the door dread. For the military family. Oh, gosh. So, Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's one of those. I, I and I can see it's been done a lot, but it's also one of those. I think I, I, you could do it and do it well. Yeah, but then again, I'm not. A, I'm not the guy you're pitching this stuff to. Yeah. Now I didn't read the last part because we, we kind of answered her last question. It was like, so I understand there's no rules, but why would these not be good ideas? I think I think probably just because they've been done and 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 they're they're tropes. 
that are popular and that, that a lot of people have done before. And when you're trying to get past a slush reader, I mean, they're just so jaded. They've seen it all. J, J, a slush reader is like the beat cop of the publishing world. There is not a weird thing that they have not seen. Or they're, yeah. they're like the paramedics of the publishing world. If there is a weird thing that somebody could put up their butt, <laughs> a paramedic has seen it. You know what I mean? Or or if you've... <laughs> Or if you're in like in processing for a jail, you've seen it. Yeah, so talk to anybody who does that; they'll tell you some stories. And so, yeah, I think that, I think this is the roughly the equivalent. It's just stuff that's tired to them. Yeah. Okay, now I've got another one, and this one's so it's talking about distilling what's cool. Um, this is a big question, and so what I want to do is I want to go to break first, so that we can figure out what we're going to say for this question. Sounds good. So, everyone, bear with us. We'll be right back. Do you have the itch for fresh stories from the center to the insane? From horror to science fiction? From fantasy to hilarity? Listen to the Terrifying Lies podcast featuring stories and music from the tilted sideways mind of Craig Nibo. Each episode features a new story amped up with professional sound design to get you right in the middle of the action. But stories don't just come in written word. Listen to a new original song from Craig at the end of each episode. Each composition coming at you with a fresh narrative of its own. Catch a new episode of Terrifying Lies every first and third Friday of the month at high noon with special lunar episodes at midnight on the night of every full moon. Subscribe to Terrifying Lies wherever you listen to your podcasts. <laughs> All right, welcome back. In that long and arduous break, Larry and I sat in the room and sweated. We tried to figure out what it is we were going to do to answer this question. Okay, the question actually isn't that hard. It's Actually, Larry needed a drink of yeah, water. Yeah, that, that was it. We needed to cough. Then he choked on it. Yeah, <laughs> I needed another Mountain Dew. Uh, today's flavor of choice, well, I had a swig. It was called the Chandler Bing. Which is a uh, fizz. It's, a, it's fizz. a fizz drink, and it's um, sorry, not swig, fizz, and it was Mountain Dew, coconut, pineapple, and strawberry. Dude, it was awesome. This is actually the first fizz, one of these I've had in six weeks. Well, yeah, because you're on super horrid diet. It sucks, but I'm getting skinny. Yeah. All right. This is less of a question. It's more about talking about. This is from uh, Mitchell, and he's saying like. It's the idea is distilling what's cool into a story. Yeah, John Brown talks about that a lot. And, and I mean, I think you and I talk, when we talk about it, we kind of call it rule of cool. Yeah. Right? And, and so he's talking about things like, um, like in 300, when King Leonidas kicks off the dude and says, this is Sparta. Yeah, like, that's, that's a cool super scene. Super cool. Cool yeah. scene. Uh, and, then, and then he talks about other things like um, Stephen King, how Stephen King seems to struggle with that. But then he, he specifically mentions Servants of War, on the other hand, had, has dozens of those this is cool moments. And that's, and that's true. We, <laughs> we intentionally, when we plot this out, we're like, dude, wouldn't it be cool if this happened? Oh, it'd be such a cool image. Wouldn't that be a cool scene? That'd be so neat. Um, and that, I mean, that's literally our entire plotting yeah. process. Yeah, it really is. Um, so the idea is, what is, it, what is it that distills this? What is it that makes something cool for us? To me, it's a visceral gut reaction. And what I, what I mean by that is like, if I'm looking at a story and I think, 
if this happens and this happens and this happens and I stop and go, dude, whoa, that's awesome. Like if it's, 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 I don't think it's something, it's like trying to explain art and like what makes art art and what yeah. makes art good. You just know, like you see it and you feel it, yeah. right? I think that's really cool. And you're like, all right, if I do this and this, and so, and I just have this reaction like, that's awesome. Other times it's like, mm, if I do this and this, it feels like I'm trying too hard. That's artificial. That's forced cool. That's that's, that's like frou-frou art. That's poochie. Yeah. Itchy Scratchy and the Poochie Show. And the, yeah. they added Poochie, who's there dunking basketballs and stuff. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and, and raps. And it was just, it was, it was too much. It was, it was false cool, you know? And so it's, it's got to be organic. It's, it's got to be like, dang, that's awesome. And you feel it. For me, it's, I, I think I always come down to when, when I see the scene, when I read the scene, or when I write the scene, I think, oh man. I would murder to see this like on a movie screen. I would murder to see this. Like that would be amazing. Yeah. Like think, you know, I think about, uh, about servants of war and I think about the, um, the, the mud scene, the mud, the mud scene on the battlefield. Oh yeah. With the ghouls. When the ghouls and stuff come. Yeah. I'm not going to say too much because you should all read the dang book. Yeah. Seriously guys. Um, and review it kindly. But, I think of that scene, or I think of the first scene when, when, when they see the objects for the first time, or I think of that opening scene when they, when they first go to hell and I'm like, oh man, like, like I get, like I'm literally right now, I kind of get the chills <laughs> thinking about what that would look like on the screen, yep. you know? And, and to me, that's the cool, that that's is, the cool that, that honestly I, I think the key, that's part of being an artist, that's part of being the creator, is recognizing that. And, and like I said, you can't, you can't shoehorn it in. It can't be artificial. It, it, it can't be like you're, you come off like you're trying too hard to be too edgy. You know, it's got to be there. It's got to be organic. It's got to come from the story. But when you hit those moments, when you have those ideas, it's like you talk about the, the chill you feel. Yeah. Or just the, whoa, yes, you know, that moment. You know, music has the same thing. Oh, sure. There'll be like those musical moments where, where just like a moment of brilliance. And you know in the band, when they do that, they know it. When they get that in the song, they know it. Uh, visual artists, uh, you know, when they're like, like uh, just, you know, when they, when they hit the perfect vibe and it's super badass, they know it. They feel it. That's because they're artists. So um, you and I both like the show Reacher. Yeah, it's a good show. Um, and there's a scene where, uh, oh gosh, what's the, what's the black guy's name? Uh, freaking. Oh, I, gosh, I'm blanking. Anyway, I, I'm drawing a blank. There's a scene where he's in the in the car with Reacher, and he's and he says, because uh, it turns out he he's like the anti stereotype uh, of of the black guy, which is why I love the character so much, because he loves classic rock. Yeah. Right. And he starts, and and Reacher's looking at him like. Dude, you're a moron. Because Reacher, Reacher is almost like a stereotypical kind of investigator in that. He kind of likes the the jazz and the blues sort of stuff. But the other guy really, really likes classic rock. And he talks about Carry On Wayward Son by Kansas, right? And he says, dude, it's he's like, what are you talking about? It's one of the best. He's like, it might be the best 
introduction or the best opening to a rock song ever. And when you think about that, and, and I agree fully, actually, I, I love that song, but I'm a Supernatural fan. So, so you, you hear that song and it has that opening chorus and then it just has this like hard intro into the guitar. And it's that same thing. Like you, you just feel it and you love it. Um, yeah. So anyway, thanks, buddy. That's, that's our answer to what makes things cool. Yeah. Um, it's not canned. <laughs> it's it ain't canned. fresh. Super fresh, super organic. And it just, uh, yeah, you just, you just feel it. All right. Uh, Blake. He says, uh, so he was listening to one of our earlier questions about, uh, or one of our earlier episodes, we were talking about setting up LLCs and money and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But he asks a really interesting question. He says, um, he works as a government employee. Okay. Where his name is public record. So should he be doing stuff under a pseudonym? But he says, for people like me who could be located and outed by a Google search, and because of the cancel culture we live in these days, are there any other instances you can think of where an LLC is a, is a good idea regardless of writing income? I thought that was a really interesting question. I think anytime you are, I'm, I'm not an LLC, I'm an S-corp, but anytime you engage in business, I think it behooves you to have a separate business entity other than yourself. I mean, once you have any sort of income, and I think we last time we oh, talked, it was like anything over like twenty, thirty thousand dollars is yep. totally worth it. At that point, go ahead and you know have your corporation or your LLC, your separate entity that you are. Now, as far as like the privacy thing, honestly, most of us, unless you do a real deep, hard effort to scrub your identity and to keep yourself off the grid. Um, if somebody really wants to find you, they're going to find you. Yeah. It's not. That's inevitable. Yeah. Um, that's the thing. I mean, and, and like, like I have pissed off a lot of weirdos. They well, can find me if they want. Well, and in businesses now on most incorporation documents, you have to sign them with the names of the, of the, the principles of the company. So, I mean, those documents aren't private in general. Like if you're, if you're definitely, if you're, if you're, I mean, let, let's think about every detective story that's ever happened. What happens? Like the detective goes to county records and looks through corporation documents and looks up who's on it and then sees the names to, and they use that as proof. They're like, see, look, Joe Schmo actually started up Schmo's tires. Ha ha. Like it, it, if someone wants to find your name, they're going to find it. So when it comes to cancelly culture stuff, um, the best way to, to proof yourself from that is one, like, don't be a dick. And two. Well, I don't know about that. Well, eh. <laughs> but two, realize that the real reason for putting together an LLC or an S corp or whatever, um, it's to divorce yourself a layer from the company to limit your liability. That's LLC, limited liability corporation. Yeah. See, for me, that that's the business end of things is separate from the cancel culture end of things. Right. And then keep in mind here on the cancel culture thing, really, as long as you don't grant them power over you, they have very limited power over you. Yep. And plus, we're past peak woke. These people have shot their wad and they're, 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 they're not going away. I mean, they're still here, but I think America has said this far, no further. Yeah. And so people are onto their scams. They've called everybody every name they can think of, and and America's kind of onto it. And we'll um, 
you know, this episode will air after the election, so we'll see yeah. if, if my prediction comes true. But um, well, it's going to take several days to tally the results. Apparently, oh yeah, Thanks, because Twitter. you know, for for all of you know American history, we we were able to like tally the votes in one day, but now it takes seven days <laughs> in certain American cities. Ridiculous. Go figure. Okay, never mind. We were diverging, but yeah, no. So the L, to me, the LLC is a separate issue than than the cancel culture thing. So it brings up the pseudonym. Is it worth writing under a pseudonym? That is entirely up to you. I don't know. You know, most people use pseudonyms for a couple of reasons. One, they think their name sucks. Yeah, that's, and that's a big fair. one. Or their name is too similar to another uh, actual name. Or <laughs> you're, you're Dean Kuntz, K-U-N-T-Z. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Stephen King, S-T-E-V-E-N King. <laughs> yeah. Or uh, Stephen yeah. Kang. Stephen Kang. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Uh, um, oh, and then the other one is because uh, you're like you're starting to write in a wildly diverging genre, and sometimes people feel like they need to do a pseudonym for that. I actually don't. I actually don't agree with that personally. I'm multi-genre. Exactly. Well, um, then there's the other thing too, where it's uh, sometimes it's just to separate the professional life and the private life. And that's for, totally fair. For whatever reason, they have a life; they just don't want to be associated with yeah. that, and that's understandable. You, you got a lot of romance writers don't want to be known as they, they write, you know, smutty, slutty no, romance. Yeah, I mean, they want to be Danny Glover from from Lethal Weapon. You know? Yeah, yeah. Wasn't his wife like? No, he was. Oh, he was the. Romance I think writer? he was the romance oh, writer. I can't remember. Man, it's um, been a long time since I watched that's, this. Because that's when uh, Riggs Riggs thought that he was he was he uh, was on the take. He was on the take. <laughs> yeah, that's really, um, yeah. The other that. one, the other time I've seen a pseudonym happen is when they st- when a person starts a writing career and it just craters because of yeah. you know it, maybe it just didn't work. Uh, Jack Campbell is actually a good uh, uh, picture of this. He na- he initially wrote under a different name, Jack something or other. He was writing like Space Jag mm-hmm. stuff and it didn't work. For whatever reason, it didn't work. So he switched his name because he he wanted to divorce himself from that quote unquote failure. The stink of failure. Mm-hmm. And so he did Jack Campbell. And and he had a great success with his Lost Fleet series and that's a great series. Uh, and then now, now that he's had that success, he's taken all of his old stuff and basically re-released it under his well, new name. And, Steve, that, and that works great. We mentioned Stephen King Stephen and Dean King Koontz. Yeah. They both had the same thing because uh, I want to say it was Lee Bracken was was Dean Koontz and Richard Bachman Rich, was, Richard Bachman was, was King. Stephen King. And so, yeah, no, I'm just, you know, I, 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 I thought about doing a pseudonym just because my last name's hard to spell and most Americans don't know how to pronounce my last name and it confuses them and no, nobody can spell it right ever. So I thought about it, but then I just went ahead and did it anyway. Yeah. All right. Uh, Ben asks, and Ben's a guy who, uh, who we ran into, who's a fan of ours, um, uh, we ran two down in FenCon. He's the guy that uh, gave me a copy of a book about sharks to sign. Thanks, Ben. <laughs> nice touch. Uh, actually, we love you, Ben. You're a good dude. Um, so this question, he says, how to approach an author at a con, especially for advice and feedback. Hmm. Um, and I find that very interesting. Because, I'm say that's because a- that's... I, here's the thing, Ben. I don't think that we can answer that in one episode or in, in, in this like three seconds. I think that that's almost <laughs> like a, I think that we might actually do a full episode on this one. Yeah. Because my answer is going to be bigger than, than what we could do here. Cause it's going to be variable. Yeah. It's going to be context specific. It's going to depend on you. And it's going to depend on the author. Some of us are more approachable than others. 
So that that's a that's honestly that's a tough one. There's some authors I wouldn't approach at all. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> for sure. And some of us are more approachable. And usually, you know, that's that's what coffee clutches are for. Yeah, for sure. I I think the idea of coffee clutches are are very nice. Um, it gives you a nice window into the author in a very um, small setting, but uh, but still big enough to where you don't feel like it, it has to be one on one. You have to be like well, one on one gets a little awkward for the author too because we don't know you usually, and then sometimes. No offense to you guys, but you can get a little weird and a little intense. <laughs> okay. Um, our boy Rick, um, and we say our boy Rick because he's our boy. We love that dude. Um, actually, his question's freaking awesome, but it's definitely going to be uh, an episode to itself. Okay. Maybe the next one we do. It says, um, guys, what are tips and tricks, the do's and don'ts and nuts and bolts of writing a sequel? Oh, jeez. Dude, Rick, we're going to totally do an episode on this That's one, a whole that's episode, an awesome, That's yeah, a great that's question, actually, Rick. And, and actually, that's something that's interesting because we are facing yeah. that right this minute. Yeah, that's a great question, though. Um, now, beyond that, Larry, that that's pretty much all the time we have for for direct questions. Um, that, and, if, and if we haven't answered your question, there's one of two things, everybody. Re- remember, either A, we didn't see it because we get a lot of emails. Or two, we've decided to make it into its own episode. And sometimes, like the last two, we said, look, we're going to turn this into a full episode. Sometimes we don't say that out loud. We just, like, off the side say, yeah, we're just going to turn working, this into an episode. We're working on that. Or three, we haven't got to it yet. Just oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we just haven't got to it yet. Because we, we go, we, we talk for like 30 or 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we can only get so many. Now, so, so I encourage you all, if you haven't seen it, if we haven't answered your question or we, or we answered your question in a way that makes no sense to you because in, insufficient, we, we or, or, you know, we understood your question one way, but you meant it a different way. Um, that totally happens. Look, just write in, just tell us, don't be a jerk, but write in and tell us and, and we'll answer it on the next one. It's totally cool. No worries. But Larry, I'm curious. What? What is one of the, the most fun questions that we've received, in your opinion? What are, what are some of the questions that you're like, dang, that's a cool question? Oh, man, you got me on the spot there, I know, Steve. I know, Well, actually, the, I mean, well, as soon as you read the one from Rick uh, about yeah, sequels, my I, brain started going about I know, that. mine too, mine too. I've done I that, really like that. I've done that like, like a bunch, a bunch, a bunch. And that's- a, It's that's, hard. So, uh, I don't rem- We've done like six- six episodes of answering questions. Mm-hmm. So off the top of my head, I can't think of one, but that one actually, I am currently intrigued. What I'll say is I really like how, how it feels like our supporters, like there's no topic that scares them to ask a question about. Yeah. They're just like, well, Hey, look, I want to know about this. Like we had the guy asking about, well, what, what CPA do you recommend <laughs> to, we should to, be getting a kickback. I know, right? We should be getting a percent. Gosh, dang! I'm gonna have to call Jason and tell him. Yeah, what the heck? Um, you know, I really like that, or I really like people saying, like, you know, we we've had questions in the past specifically about cancel culture, or we've had questions in the past specifically about, um, you know, how do I form a business? Like very nuts and bolts bi- questions, and then like, oh well, I'm really concerned about how to how to do third person or, or whatever. Yeah. I really like how, how y'all listeners out there, nothing like every question's fair game. 
And that's completely true. One well, one of the things too is a lot of people have been asking questions in the Facebook group mm-hmm. and been spurring discussion and lively debate yeah. amongst authors. And uh, so that's been interesting too. So yeah, no, I, I, I think it's great that these guys are asking questions because honestly that's a big part of making it is question your assumptions and what you think you know and, and just keep going. Well, and, and, and not to be scared about it. Like it's, you know, there, there's, what's the, what's the old, kind of the old thing where they're, they're like, there are no stupid questions. And yet the person who generally says that there are actually stupid questions. There are, oh yeah, there's, I guarantee there are, there, there are stupid, stupid questions. questions. But in general, when it comes, when it comes to this stuff, I think people are often hesitant to actually ask the question that's worrying them. Well, honestly, because there's no stupid questions, but... There are definitely stupid answers. There's stupid answers. I have full of those. Well, there are stupid questions, but honestly, the questions that you guys have for us, as long as they are pertaining to, like, you're trying to get better as a writer... It's all good. It's all good. It's not stupid. If you're truly trying to get better as a writer, and we all started at some different level. So some of you guys are going to have questions that are more basic than others. Mm -hmm. I mean, some people, we can go kind of like deep dives on like some esoteric stuff. Um, But that, and that's great too. But other people, it's like little things. Like I saw a question the other day about like, you know, basic formatting. uh, For Oh yeah, I saw that. Yeah, for like basic formatting questions. And it's just stuff that like we take for granted because we've been doing this for so dang long that we forget not everybody knows this. So if you guys have questions about even basic stuff, that's perfectly all right. Because there are yeah. people listening to this who have no idea. And that's and that's fine. We're all starting at a different spot. Well, and, and what I would what I would ask um, all the folks in the Writer Dojo group to do, whether you're in the group and you're and you're talking with those people, with other people within the group, or you're just out and about in the world and people ask you questions. Um, kind of do what Larry and I do. Um, and frankly, Larry's always kind of done this and, and I learned a lot of this from Larry and that's that, uh, it, it costs you nothing to be cool and professional about this stuff. When people are asking you legitimate questions, I'm not talking about the trolley questions. <laughs> we all know how Larry responds to those, <laughs> but, um, when we're talking about like legitimate, actual, like answer seeking individuals, because look, they, they all, we, they all start at different levels. We're all at different levels. And heck, I still ask questions and I still recognize where I have weaknesses. And so I actively ask questions to figure that out. Well, man, there's stuff that, like there are rules of grammar that I don't know. I've written 26, 27 books now. There are literally rules of grammar that I still don't know. I don't understand at all. Yeah. (laughs) That I just like, I write it in the way that I think it looks correct and then I just call it good and then whatever. Did you know when I wrote my first book, I did not know that this was a thing, that when you wrote a sentence and you would address somebody's name, that you would go comma, then their name? Yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, really? I did not know that. I didn't know that was a, I didn't know that was a rule of grammar. Huh. I was in my, I was, you know, I was a grown adult. I'd been out of college for 10 years. To be fair, neither of us were English majors. No, no, I barely made it. I barely passed English. But I didn't know that when I wrote my first book. The entire rough draft, I had to go through and put that in every single sentence. You never know. You never know what other people don't know. And so I would just encourage you all to be be kind about this stuff, to be professional about it. Uh, If a person's asking you and they're actually like legit about this, just... Just be like, oh, okay, well, uh, in my experience, it's this, this, and this. I hope that helps. Uh, You know, you don't know 
at what state someone is in when they're asking you a question, at what level of the writing process they are. Because remember, there's a lot of people out there who, who may, maybe yesterday they said, you know what, maybe I think I want to be a writer. I wonder what that entails. And maybe they found the Writer Dojo group yesterday looking us up. And they're starting to ask some of the most basic questions. That's quite all right. That's what we're here for. So anyway, that's my little screed on being being a kind, nice person. Uh, unless they're being a troll. Uh, that's what Larry's for. No mercy. So with that, we'll leave you with that. Uh, and uh, we'll see you on the next one. Love you all very much. Thank you so much for being our supporter. We'll see ya. Writer Dojo is Steve Diamond and Larry Korea. Produced by Jack Wilder and Bear and Hair Studios. Theme song, Word Mercenaries by Craig Naibo. New episodes come out every Wednesday wherever you stream your content. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can help support us by going to anchor.fm slash writer dojo by leaving a five-star rating and review and by helping to spread the word. To advertise on the Writer Dojo, email ads at writerdojo.com. All questions and comments can be emailed to questions at writerdojo.com. Well, yeah, because you're on super horrid diet. It sucks. But I'm getting skinny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>